You're listening to the Burke and Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the place I go to get my fantasy fulfilled. The best analysis, advice, and opinions on fantasy football that you can't find anywhere else. Let the fantasy begin. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. Man, it was a crazy week nine. A lot happened. Not a lot of huge individual performances, but definitely a lot of team efforts. And, you know, uh, Steelers remained undefeated. Bills remained winless. And the Buccaneers were supposed to have their revenge game and just got pounced by the Saints. You know, Saints are looking legit. Uh, Drew Brees, you know, he's uh, he's an old man, but, uh, I mean, Tom Brady's an old man too, but Drew Brees is really leading the Saints team, and they're starting to get better and better as the season's progressing, and they're, they're dangerous. They're really dangerous right now. Some of the big pertinent news of the week is the first one, Kyle Allen. He dislocated his ankle, and this was a weird injury. You know, he got kind of whipped around and, you know, leg whipped into another player, and just, uh, yeah, it didn't look good. Uh, and it's something that I didn't want to see again after I watched it the first time. Obviously not as bad as uh, what we saw in, you know, college football with that Georgia uh, player getting his uh, ankle dislocated, but um, it was still pretty bad and gruesome. Uh, Kyle Allen obviously is going to be out for the season, Alex Smith came in, which was kind of ironic since he, you know, he's just fighting back from his gruesome leg injury. And, uh, you know, he didn't lead his team to victory, but, you know, he had a nice touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin. And uh, Alex Smith is going to be the guy with uh, Dwayne Haskins backing him up. So we'll see how Alex Smith plays. I uh, It's going to be a lot of that short passing game. And, uh, you know, I, I know... Terry McLaurin got a a huge uh, play in there with Alex Smith, but overall, throughout the season, I'm kind of worried about Terry McLaurin and how he's going to be able to uh, to play. I I, I like his downfield ability. Uh, He's a great route runner, so I I think he'll get open, but I'm just wondering how often Alex Smith is going to be able to get him the ball and and make him an effective receiver. You know, I think he can continue to be a possession receiver type guy, but... I'm I'm wondering if his big games are behind him now with Alex Smith playing quarterback. But it's a feel-good story for Alex Smith. I mean, you know, he, he played a little bit a couple weeks ago, and, and now he played last week, or, yeah, just this past week against the Giants. And he's going to be the guy the rest of the year. So all that work was worth it, and, you know, you, you really can't not, you know, you can't root against the guy. He's uh, We'll see how, uh, if he's able to turn the Redskins around and, you know, all they need is some decent quarterback play, and I think they can uh, they can get some wins. But uh, losing to the Giants doesn't help, and that's the crazy thing is Daniel Jones has like I don't know, like what six, seven wins in his whole career, and uh, all but like one of them are against the Redskins, or sorry, the Washington Football Team. So uh, if that tells you anything, maybe you should just bench Daniel Jones throughout the year and then just start him when he's playing with the uh, Washington football team because that seems to be the only team he can beat. 
And uh, he not that he played well, but he obviously played good enough to win. McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, hurt his shoulder and his ribs. And this was after he had, you know, he didn't get 100 yards rushing, but uh, he had a, a good day rushing, like 68, 68, 69 yards and a touchdown. Receiving-wise, he was a beast, got a lot of receptions, and scored a touchdown. Uh, I mean, yeah, Christian McCaffrey was back to his old self. And so you really hated to see him just get hurt again on something completely different. And he's going to miss Week 10, but uh, they're hoping that that's all he'll miss. And I'm sure all fantasy owners that drafted him first overall, most of them, are hoping the same thing. Because you waited all this time for him to come back. He finally comes back, has a great game, shows you his promise and what he's able to do week in and week out, and how he's kind of Dalvin Cook's equal, and then uh, proceeds to get hurt again. So we'll be monitoring that for sure. But uh, shoulder ribs, I mean, it's uh, it, usually for a running back, those aren't uh, long-term injuries, and uh, we hope that uh, that remains the case. Tack McKinley. The Karist was waived by the Falcons. Now, you talk about a bust of a player. He he started off all right as a, as a rookie and then just really kind of regressed. And this year, the Falcons' defense was horrible. And I don't know if it's the Falcons' system because they've had, you know, a couple of pretty mediocre defensive players that they drafted that uh, – I'm wondering if they go to a different environment that they might be able to be successful because they seem to be athletic. Uh, McKinley se- seems to be one of them. But, uh, you know, they drafted Takaris over by T.J. Watt. And, uh, you know, something like that where you're like, you, you could have had T.J. Watt who's just dominating the league right now. It's, it's a p- tough pill to swallow if you're a Falcons fan. And now he's not even with the team anymore. While, you know, T.J. Watt's in the running to be maybe defensive player of the year, potentially. So that's a huge miss for them. The Falcons definitely need to do something with their defense. Outside of Deion Jones, they don't really have much on that defensive side of the ball. So um, I don't know if it's a, you know, it's kind of a, I don't know if it's a good thing for the Falcons. I mean, you're getting rid of a player that you had high expectations for that wasn't very productive. Or if it's better for Takaris McKinley, because now he gets to go to a team, especially being waived if no one picks him up, he's going to go to a team that uh, might be able to better utilize him, and it might help his career. It might save his career. So um, it's uh, it's just one of those unfortunate things that happened during the season with guys that uh, aren't producing. Vance McDonald has COVID. Old man McDonald. Um, old McDonald had a COVID, and on his COVID, he lost some games because now he's not going to be able to play for next week. Uh, He's put on that list, and the crazy thing was is he was sick during the week, so it was kind of like a Marlon Humphreys type thing where he was sick, missed a couple of days of practice, went and was on the plane with the team, went to the game, played about 20 snaps on offense, flew back with the team, and then tested positive. So now... We're not sure, you know, with the Steelers, how many people are going to be affected by that, how that's going to affect practice, uh, you know, if it's going to create any more positive tests for the team. 
that's just something that we'll have to monitor and uh it's it's a definitely a to be continued type story and uh nobody likes those type of stories they like to know what the ending is and in this case we don't know the ending sorry Kendrick Bourne he went back on the covid list it was one of those things where the Niners were woefully undermanned going against the Packers with all the covid uh, people that were out they all came back negative and Bourne was one of those that came back and then now he's probably placed back on the list so I don't know if he was positive negative and then positive or it was a fake positive and then he got it for reals and now he's back on the list but uh, that's you know that's another receiver for the Niners and just in general with this Niners team you know they're a good team they just uh they have a lot of injuries, and there's there's a handful of teams that just uh, cannot escape this injury bug. The Broncos are one of them. They get a lot of injuries, uh, and obviously the 49ers are, are the top of that list just because there's a lot of high expectations with them going to the Super Bowl last year, and they're yeah, just throwing together people that are just available. And if you're available, you can play because uh, they don't have much else. Josh Allen's grandmother. Now, this is a sad story, but a good story. It's kind of a heartwarming story for the Bills Mafia. The Bills Mafia are a loyal fan base for the Buffalo Bills. They do a lot for the community as well. Uh, if you recall back in the day, Andy Dalton, uh, you know, he won the last game of the season. I believe it was against the Ravens to put the Bills in the playoffs. They sent a bunch of money to Andy Dalton's charity for doing that. Well, Josh Allen's grandmother died, and it was pretty tragic. But fans started donating $17, which is Josh Allen's number, to his charity, which is the local children's hospital in Buffalo. So now the children's hospital raised, uh, as of the story, about $35,000 and they even have like a little donate button for seventeen dollars, uh, based off all the people that were doing that. So that's a took a tragic uh, experience, a life experience for Josh Allen. The fans made it, uh, you know, I shouldn't say made it better because you're still sad that your grandma died, but uh, definitely had a heartwarming gesture by donating to his charity. So you like to hear some of the good stuff in the NFL that happens and. Uh, Usually the news is a bunch of bad stuff. So we wanted to add that in there. Really good of Josh Allen. And then uh, the last thing I want to say is Patriots, they're not going to have any fans the rest of the season. They're just going to have an empty stadium. COVID's out of control. They don't want to bring anybody in. And I think it's the right call. It's, you know, NFL needs to make money. They want, you know, as many fans as they can get for that revenue. But, uh, yeah, as of right now with how – crazy the uh, out of control covid's getting this is a good move by the the patriots and uh they're not gonna have fans anymore the burke and miz goats of the week here we go goats of the week this is where we like to talk about the top performers at each position. Right now we're going into the quarterbacks. Our number three goat of the week is Patrick Mahomes. And 
it's not so crazy that Patrick Mahomes made this list because he's Patrick Mahomes, but everything you thought about this game didn't happen. Like I, I admit, like with Patrick Mahomes, I thought he was going to be uh, definitely not top three. I thought they were going to run the ball a lot. The Panthers can't defend the the running back position, whether it's rushing or passing. So I thought this was going to be a big day for the running backs. I didn't think there was going to be a lot of room for Mahomes to pass the ball. I thought they would get a big lead and run it even more. So it was really going to take Mahomes out of the game. But foolish to think that because they paid Mahomes a lot of money and they're going to use him regardless. And it was one of those things where you thought you knew the story and then something happens and totally just flips the story around. And that's kind of what it this game kind of turned out to be because the Carolina Panthers, their offense was on fire. Teddy Bridgewater almost matched Mahomes' efforts. He didn't quite make the uh, GOATS list, but it was close. And the Chiefs couldn't stop the Panthers from scoring. Christian McCaffrey was all over the place. Teddy Bridgewater, you know. uh, It it was just one of those performances by the Panthers where they almost pulled off the upset. And luckily for the Chiefs, they were able to hold on and win at the end by a couple points. But it's like, uh, you know, you, you wanted or you thought this was going to be a blowout, and then it just didn't happen. It was like uh, watching a movie, and then something, you know, you think you know the, the plot and what's going to happen, and then something changes, and you're like, whoa, I didn't see that happening. That's crazy. It's kind of like uh, The Sixth Sense, where, you know, you watch this whole movie, and then Bruce Willis at the end's dead. You're like, wow, that's crazy. That's something I didn't see coming at all. I can't believe he's actually dead. Like, that makes so much sense now that I know that. And it was kind of like this game, right? Like the, the Carolina Panthers are high-powered offense and uh, scoring at will against the, the Chiefs defense that you, you thought was going to play better and the, put the Chiefs in a position to pass the ball all the time. I mean, Mahomes hit Tyreek Hill a couple, well, once. He hit uh, Demarcus Robert, Robertson. It was just uh, one of those days where he was, yeah, he was on fire. Josh Allen is our number two GOAT of the week. It was against Seattle. He was 31 for 38, 415 yards, three touchdowns. He also had 14 yards rushing and rushed for a touchdown. He was all over the place. I mean, even the ones where he wasn't rushing the ball, he was scrambling around and just chucking it. Stephon Diggs had like 13 targets and had 113 uh, 113 yards receiving. It was just, uh, it was just crazy the the amount of targets that Stephon Diggs got without scoring, and then you throw in the fact that John Brown got a lot of targets. He got like 11 targets for like eight catches and like I don't know, close to 100 yards. He had like 80 something or 70 something. Um, it was pretty ridiculous. He had 99, so he was one yard away from 100 yards, and. Uh, yeah, Diggs got 118. Together, they combined for 23 targets and 17 catches for over 227 yards. And you would say, wow, that's a great day. They probably scored a lot of touchdowns. Nope, they didn't. The touchdowns went to Gabriel Davis. They went to Tyler Croft, Isaiah McKenzie, all the other guys that uh, weren't Diggs and Brown. But Josh Allen... Great day. You knew this matchup was prime for him to have a big day, 
and he was even picked as one of our uh, stars of the week beforehand just because of this matchup with the Seahawks. But you got to fall through just because you're picked. Like, how many times do we say, oh, this guy has a great matchup. Like, it's a lock that he's going to dominate. And then they don't for whatever reason. Well, this was one of those ones where you're expecting it to happen, and it did happen. So good for Josh Allen. He's a, yeah, he was a, a good play, and he dominated. Our number one GOAT of the week at quarterback was Kyler Murray versus the Miami Dolphins. And this was another one where you uh, knew that Kyler Murray had the potential for a big game. He was 21 for 26 for 283 yards and had three touchdown passes. What made it even crazier, though, was his rushing. He had 11 rushes for 106 yards and a touchdown. So you put those two uh, together, the rushing and the passing, and it was the best overall day of anybody for a quarterback. Uh, And this is the crazy thing, too, about this, was they lost to the Dolphins. The Dolphins came back at the end and were able to uh, pull away. but it wasn't because of Kyler Murray. You know, it was kind of a disappointing day for DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins, disappointing day for Chase Edmonds, and Kyler Murray. This was a game that he actually kind of carried that uh, that the team and the offense. He threw some, uh, you know, threw the bomb to Christian Kirk. Nice play. Christian Kirk's finally, you know, heating up and uh, becoming relevant and becoming a good play week to week. And yeah, Kyler Murray's just fun to watch. He he, uh, he he's kind of like Lamar Jackson from last year in that regard, where he's just he's able to run the ball, except for he's actually a better passer than Lamar Jackson. So this is what makes him even more fun. Is I just think yeah he can do more things. He doesn't have to run the ball and he can be dominant, where Lamar Jackson does. So good to see his uh, overall number one performance, and that he definitely deserved the number one goat of the week. Moving right into our running back goats of the week. And this was kind of a bad week for running backs. There was a lot of running backs that people had high hopes for that didn't really pan out. You know, I already mentioned Chase Edmonds. Justin Jackson got hurt before he even got a carry. Everyone was really high on him, and he disappointed. It was just uh, yeah, all the way around. Just, you know, Derrick Henry didn't do much, although he was against the, the Bears, which you know that it was going to be tough sledding. It was uh, one of those days where there there wasn't too many big performances, but the uh, three guys that did get a top performance definitely deserved it. And uh, they, even on uh, if everyone had good weeks, they definitely would have stood out amongst their peers. Our number three GOAT of the week was James Robinson versus Houston. Carried the ball 25 times for 99 yards and a touchdown. And this was a good matchup for James Robinson. But, you know, I was worried about Luton being the quarterback. Jake Luton was playing quarterback for the first time and got his first start. And I don't know why we were even worried. He actually had a really good game, kept the Jaguars in it, didn't look like they missed a beat. Very surprising. I thought uh, the Jaguars were going to get annihilated, and and they didn't. And, And that was going, you know, I thought they'd focus on James Robinson and make Luton pass. And... First possession of the game, Luton just chucks a bomb to DJ Chark. Chark gets 73-yard touchdown pass. And everyone and their moms, you know you bench DJ Chark. I had DJ Chark on my roster in one of my leagues, and he was he was on my bench. 
And seeing that, especially after the game that Chark had, it was really disappointing to see all those points on, on your bench. But good for the Jaguars. And, uh, you know, I guess not that good since they lost, but uh, James Robinson had himself a day. Number two goat of the week is Christian McCaffrey. We kind of already talked about it in regards to the Kansas City game. Carried the ball 18 times for 69 yards. 69, dude. One TD. 10 targets, caught all 10 of them for 82 yards and a touchdown. McCaffrey's just dominant. And then he got hurt. So uh, he'll be out for week 10. But this is what Christian McCaffrey can do. So you knew if he was going to play... Uh, if his injury didn't affect him, that he'd have a good game. You just didn't expect him to get another injury. That was the key. You thought the injury, you're worried about the injury that he had, not getting a new injury on something that wasn't hurting him before. But uh, Panthers were able to hang in there, almost beat the Chiefs. They weren't able to do it, lost at the end. And uh, Christian McCaffrey is. You know, run CMC, that's what he is, and uh, you're obviously having him in there when he's playing. Number one goat of the week, Dalvin Cook. You know, this we predicted him to be the number one running back in our stars of the week. It's just too easy. You see Dalvin Cook, and you see a bad matchup, and it's just crazy because the Lions know. Like, the Lions got to know, like, hey, they're going to run Dalvin Cook. That's going to be their offense. That's what we need to do to, you know, that's who we need to stop. And they don't. They don't. He got 22 rushes for 206 yards, two touchdowns. And he also caught two uh, two balls for 46 yards. So it's just baffles my mind how good Dalvin Cook is. It's like everybody knows this is all the Vikings have. And that's all they need to do to stop their offense and win the game. And they just can't do it. And this could have been even worse because there was a couple times where Vikings were close to the goal line and they passed it to Irv Smith. So Irv Smith had a couple of short touchdowns before he got hurt. It was just one of those things where uh, all the way around, you know, Davin Cook had a monster game and it could have been even worse. It could have been like last week where he scored about four touchdowns. And the only thing that's going to stop Davin Cook next week is the fact that they're on a bye because there's nothing else stopping Devin or sorry not stopping Dalvin Cook he's playing on Sunday night so Dalvin Cook is the best running back in the NFL and if you drafted him he, he was sliding a little bit because of that contract situation early in the year and now you're looking at it and you're like why did I even care about that you know, you're worried about him getting hurt because he had a in history of injuries. And that can still happen with Dalvin Cook. But uh, as of right now, you're like, yeah, you're happy with Dalvin Cook. And he's probably, he at least is getting you in the playoffs. So anyone that has Dalvin Cook on their team, if they're not in the playoffs, I don't know what you're doing with your team. I don't know how you're managing your team. Because as many points as he's getting you, it should be enough. Even if you're mediocre at the other positions and you're just getting by at the other positions, you should be doing enough to make you a, a playoff team. So, And Monday night when he plays against the Bears in Week 10, it's going to be something because the Bears are really good at you know stopping the rush. And you saw what they did 
kind of bottling up Derrick Henry. You're, you're, I'm wondering, you know, now that Davin Cook is facing a, a team like the Bears, how, you know, what's going to happen? And uh, it's going to be intriguing. It's going to be the power of that offense and trying to pound the Bears on the ground. And it's going to be the Bears being able to stop the run, trying to stop Davin Cook. So it's a, it's a matchup worth uh, watching that will be exciting. Wide receiver, Goats of the Week. And this was another one where there's a couple names that are pretty regular on this segment. And then one that just came out of nowhere that probably wasn't even around. Um, I mean, he's been on injured reserve most of the season. So we'll get right into it. Our number three Goat of the Week is Tyreek Hill versus the Carolina Panthers. He had 18 targets. It was just crazy. Like I thought this was going to be a bad week for Tyreek Hill just because of the uh, game flow that I thought was going to happen that I mentioned before. And no, it wasn't. He had nine catches for 113 yards and two touchdowns. Had one run for eight, yard, uh, for eight yards. And here's the crazy thing about this Tyreek Hill stuff. Even though he had a monster game like this, you were kind of left wanting more. When you're targeted 18 times and you only catch 50% of that, you feel like there might have been a lot left out there. And with Tyreek Hill, you definitely did. But no denying that he's, you know, obviously one of the top two receivers in the game right now, which he is. He's number two. And uh, he just, uh, that connection he has with Mahomes, it's it's just every game. It, it doesn't matter the matchup. I think Tyreek Hill had, has like one bad game all year. And uh, the rest of the games, he's averaging double-digit fantasy points. So uh, Tyreek kills the real deal. And no matter where you drafted him, you probably didn't draft him high enough with the type of season he's having. Number two, Devontae Adams at San Francisco. Since Devontae Adams came back from injury, he's been on this list like every single week. Aaron Rodgers just throws the ball to him regardless. You know, he's he's the best receiver in football right now. And uh, Aaron Rodgers knows this, and so he's getting the ball. 12 targets, 10 catches for 173 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, I felt like he could have scored some more touchdowns, but uh, that's the way it goes. Devontae Adams is a beast. The Packers annihilated San Francisco just, again, because their San Francisco is so shorthanded. But... Uh, Devontae Adams is, yeah, it doesn't matter the matchup right now. He's just dominating the league at wide receiver. So he might be here again next week. Who knows? Number one, this was the one that was kind of out of left field, and this was the same game against Green Bay. And the wide receiver room got hit pretty hard with the the COVID. So Brandon Ayuk wasn't in. He was out because of COVID. They're... There just wasn't a lot of options for the 49ers. So they had to throw out Richie James. And Richie James had nine catches for 184 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. And with a performance like that, you know, I I realize it's against Green Bay. And Green Bay's defense isn't, you know, they're they're not a top-notch defense. But I'm... With that type of performance, I'm looking at Richie James to maybe be playing some more than he is. I mean, he won't be because it's 
Kyle Shanahan, he's just going to, you know, stick to his, his guys and his rotations. But uh, Richie James showed me something, and I, I like I, I liked him as a receiver before. And, yeah, I, I, I think they, he, should get, he should get more targets, I guess is what I'm saying, especially with uh, how banged up the San Francisco wide receiving core has been. But uh, now that uh, everyone's going to be coming back from the COVID situation, I, I think he'll be, you know, disintegrating back into oblivion, and you're not going to hear much from him. You know, he'll do his kick returns and things that he does, uh, maybe catch a pass here and there. But for, for being the top receiver in the week, he's definitely going to have a dramatic fall from here. Like, this this was his best moment for the season for sure. Now it's on to our tight end goats of the week. This, uh, you know, this really was underwhelming for the tight ends. There, there wasn't a lot of play, and I, and I felt like I mentioned this last week, and it's kind of been the case where I was expecting a lot more, especially early on in the season. It felt like tight ends were the only ones uh, being being targeted and scoring touchdowns, and then it's just really dried up. But uh, our number three goat of the week at tight end, Jimmy Graham, he played against the Tennessee Titans. He was he caught all his targets. So he had six catches, 55 yards, one touchdown in the, the losing effort. Jimmy Graham's been really relevant this year. I was kind of out on him based off of, you know, I thought he was old and washed up and his better days were behind him. And, and that's probably the case, but he's really kind of faced a, a renaissance with the Bears. The Packers didn't use him. He was really a non-factor. And then he went to Chicago and they had like 800 tight ends. So you're like, man, they're definitely going to be using all these other tight ends. And, and Jimmy Graham's going to be the insurance policy. And it hasn't been the case. I mean, he's been starting. He's been relevant. He's he's scoring. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Graham's been on this list quite a bit this season. So definitely uh, exceeded all my expectations on the type of season he was going to have. My number two go to the week is Irv Smith against Detroit. This was a home game for Irv Smith. He was targeted four times, but he only had two catches. And both of those two catches were touchdowns. So he only had 10 yards, but uh, that's what I mean with the the Dalvin Cook uh, thing where Dalvin Cook could have maybe scored more touchdowns. That was... uh, that was the case because he had like a one-yard pass to Irv Smith before Smith got hurt. Smith actually had to leave this game because he got hurt. But, uh, you know, the other one was, what, like a nine-yard pass? So uh, really efficient day for Irv Smith. 100% catch to touchdown rate. And uh, definitely brought him into the, the, the topper tier of the, the tight end position. Travis Kelsey versus Carolina. Targeted 12 times, had 10 catches for 159 yards. He didn't score. Basically, everyone else scored but him. But he's, yeah, he's just a game changer at tight end. If you have him at tight end, you're just scoring so many more points than everyone else, especially at this point of the season where, uh, you know, we just were talking about tight ends kind of being dried up right now. Travis Kelsey just keeps going. Mahomes hits him. All game long. I mean, 12 targets for a tight end. You'll take that for a wide receiver, like a number one wide receiver. So 
yeah, Travis Kelsey is not disappointing. And in this matchup against Carolina, he needed all those catches because they just squeaked it out against the Panthers. So it wasn't like there was any garbage garbage time in this. This was, you know, this was Travis Kelsey putting in the work, and he's the best tight end in the game right now. Burke and Miz the Wiz Maltabon, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. Our Ghosts of the Week at QB, it's it's maddening. And our number three ghost especially, it is Matthew Stafford for the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford was at Minnesota, who has a depleted secondary. He thought he was going to have a big game, especially the week he had before against the vaunted Colts defense. But uh, it was not to be. Matthew Stafford was 23 for 32 for 211 yards, one touchdown, and threw two interceptions. And I don't understand Matthew Stafford. Drives me nuts. Like, three weeks ago, I was trying to start him in, in FanDuel with this amazing matchup. I'm like, there's no way... Matthew Stafford's going to have a great week. Doesn't do anything with this amazing matchup. So then he goes and plays the Colts. And I'm like, oh, Matthew Stafford's done. You know, he couldn't do anything the week before. This Colts defense is going to eat him alive. And then he comes out and throws for like 330-something yards and three touchdowns against the Colts. And you're like, wow, maybe Matthew Stafford will be able to do something. So this is going to be a great matchup against the Vikings. And sure enough, he lays this egg against the Vikings. And I'm just kind of, I'm off the Matthew Stafford roller coaster ride. It's like, a, or the carousel, I should say. That's what he is. He's more like a carousel because, at least with the roller coaster, there's, there's some, there's time between the, the hills and the, you know, the ups and downs on the roller coaster. And a carousel is just constantly up and down. And that's what Matthew Stafford is as a quarterback. And the maddening thing about it, too, is, again, it's a really great matchup. He should excel. Oh, he doesn't. He doesn't excel. Sorry, Matthew Stafford's, you know, sucking up the place. Then you go and uh, he has a terrible matchup where you don't think he's going to do anything, and he just lights it up and throwing touchdowns left and right. And I I can't predict this guy. He's He's – one of those things, like stat-wise and projection-wise, is, is probably the worst projection quarterback that I've had. Uh, and not just this year, too. Just, like, in the last couple years, uh, he, he's maddening. And he continues to be maddening. And before I get too upset, I just need to be done and move on. But just want you to know that Matthew Stafford, if, if there's going to be frustration to be had, he's going to bring it to you. And if you're a Lions fan... I get it. You just want to win games, and that's not happening either. And they're just the Lions are such an unpredictable team. Stafford's an unpredictable quarterback. Uh, let's talk about the next person, which is number two, Ghost of the Week, Philip Rivers versus Indianapolis. And this is crazy because just last week he was on our Goats of the Week for his amazing performance that he had against the Lions, and. Sure enough, Philip Rivers comes back this week and just, he, he wasn't it. Just wasn't it. He was 25 for 43, 
227 yards and one interception. The Colts lost to Baltimore. Now, Baltimore's a good team, so you can understand why Rivers didn't have a great day. But uh, it still doesn't take away from the fact that Philip Rivers just looks horrible in general. If the Colts had anyone under the quarter, you know, under center that was even halfway decent uh, passer, they'd be. They're already a playoff team right now, but they would be pro- probably one of the upper echelon AFC teams, uh, and definitely be a Super Bowl contender. The quarterback position is holding them back from being a Super Bowl contender. Well, and I take that back. The the running back position kind of is too because of Jonathan Taylor not really being anything right now. But, um, and I hate to say this because I do think Philip Rivers is a Hall of Fame quarterback, but that's with all his work he had with the Chargers, like. You saw last year with the Chargers that he just he lost it. You know, doesn't have the arm strength. He was he's still taking those chances as if he did. Really, just I don't know, throwing some uh, some ducks to people last year. And uh, with the Colts, he's he's I don't think he's playing any better to be honest. I just think he has a better defense and, and better overall team around him right now than he did with the Chargers last year. Uh, anyways, number one. And this isn't going to surprise nobody because it was a primetime game. A lot of expectations on this person in particular. It's Tom Brady versus the New Orleans Saints. He's 22 for 38, 209 yards, and three picks with absolutely zero touchdowns. Not a single one. And this was supposed to be the revenge game where he was going to come out on fire and throw it all over the place, you know. Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Gronkowski, like all these weapons were at his disposal, and he couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything. Saints kept him under control the whole game. He was getting hit everywhere. Like, man, I was feeling bad for Brady. You know, you get up there in age and you get hit like that. It's not going to feel good for the rest of the week. And uh, the Saints... To their credit, they did what they did the kind of the first week. And so now Brady has had two bad weeks against the Saints. And, uh, yeah, that, that revenge game we thought was coming uh, never happened. <laughs> to be quite honest, there were quite a bit of running back ghosts that I wanted to at least mention. But I can only do three, so these were my three big ones. And obviously with some of the injuries that took place, that eliminated some of the people that have had horrible weeks. But, uh, hey, with injuries, that's sometimes not their fault. So let's go to the ones that uh, it was their fault. Number three is David Montgomery at Tennessee. Now, I get Tennessee, I don't know, their, their rush defense is average. Uh, you expected more from David Montgomery. Just last week, he had kind of a mediocre game. And this week, it was 14 carries for 30 yards. And then he caught three passes for 12 yards. You know, 42 yards total is not going to cut it as being the uh, workhorse back for the Bears. And again, this just shows that David Montgomery is really touchdown dependent. He gets you that touchdown. He barely creeps over those that 10-point mark. And feel pretty good about yourself because he gets a 10 to 12 points that uh you know that you want from your team like your your players on your team 
And early on, David Montgomery was doing that consistently. But now he's not. The touchdowns are drying up, and the yards are staying the same. And I've tried to play the David Montgomery game last year. Stayed away from him this year just because of this. I didn't see an improvement in the uh, Matt Nagy offense. And it's been more of the same. So uh, if my advice to you is if you have David Montgomery is try to trade him. There, there might be someone that sees his stats and uh, his, you know, what he, he did early in the season and see some value in that. But uh, if I can cut cord on him and pick up a better receiver or something, I'm, I'm going to do it because, especially going into the playoffs, I don't think David Montgomery provides you enough assurance of consistency that's going to make you feel good about him being in your lineup. We'll put it that way. Number two, ghost of the week is Melvin Gordon at Atlanta. Carried the ball only six times for 18 yards. Had a catch for nine yards. Denver offense in general, like, I just think they need to just play the last, I don't know, five minutes of the game consistently. Or at least act like it's the last five minutes of the game. Because their offense does absolutely nothing. And then it's like, oh man, we're going to lose. We're down by like you know, two or three touchdowns, let's come back. And against the Chargers, they were able to. They were, able, You know, because the Chargers, they know how to lose games, and, and they, whatever way they can find to lose, they're going to do it, uh, which we'll get to that too coming up. But uh, in this one, you know, they were too far behind. They couldn't catch up against the Falcons, and that really made Melvin Gordon's day just kind of non-existent. You know, they, they were passing the ball a lot, and they didn't actually have the ball a lot. Atlanta was really, they had the the ball most of the game. They're, I don't know if it was their strategy or not to, you know, just dominate possession to keep the ball away from Denver and keep their defense off the field. But if it was, it was genius because it worked. It felt like Denver never had the ball. Every time you looked, it was, you know, or, or we're watching the game, it was like, oh, Falcons have the ball again, you know, and, and then they they score and then they kick it off, and you're like, man, what's going on with that Denver Falcons game? Oh, the Falcons have the ball again. They they constantly had the ball. So, uh, and then obviously the last five you know minutes of the game, Denver steps it up like they did the last couple weeks, and uh, made it a game with a, but it turned out just to be garbage time stats. Because they, you know, they couldn't, uh, they didn't have enough time to to get that last touchdown. Anyway, uh, really took Melvin Gordon out of the game in this one. So uh, I, I thought he was in line for a better game than what he was, uh, what he ended up getting. But uh, that's the NFL football for you. Ronald Jones is my number one, and this is going to be a trend. I think there's a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers that are on this list. But Ronald Jones only had three carries for nine yards and was targeted four times, had three catches for nine yards. So that's double nines, 18 total yards against New Orleans. New Orleans just totally dominated, and, you know, the the Buccaneers couldn't run the ball, they couldn't pass the ball. And, you know, they didn't really try to run the ball. Ronald Jones only had three carries. Leonard Fournette, I mean, he was mixed in there too, didn't have a lot of carries. It 
when you're that far behind and getting beat up that bad, it just really opens it up to you. We're just going to pass the ball and, and try to, you know, try to catch up. And they couldn't. The Saints defense just looked really, really good. That was probably the most impressive defensive performance I've seen all year so far. And, and there, there's been some pretty big defensive performances, but uh, an offense of that caliber, just shutting him down like they did, I really give him my props. It was really impressive. Ghosts of the week. We'll make this one kind of quick because the, these performances were really bad and there's not a lot to talk about in regards to them. But Adam Thielen is our number three ghost of the week. Against Detroit, five targets, two catches for 38 yards. And I get there was a Dalvin Cook show and, you know, Irv Smith had those close-in touchdown catches. But how are you only throwing the ball five times to Adam Thielen? He was one of those receivers early on in the season that was like, week in, week out, he was a top eight wide receiver. Without fail. You can put him in there, you were confident, and you just thought it was going to be like that the whole rest of the season. And it's not. Uh, I don't, you know, Justin Jefferson had a better game. It looked like Cousins was looking his way more often than Thielen. And it was against Detroit, so he figured both were in line to have pretty big games. And... It's baffling to me that both of them really didn't. I mean, Jefferson's game was mediocre. Thielen's was just outright bad. It was just a bad performance. My number two is Henry Ruggs at the Chargers. He was targeted three times. Goose egg. Didn't get a single reception. Ran the ball once for 10 yards. And with as much as the Raiders scored... And the Chargers scored. He figured that uh, there'd be a lot more big plays in this one. Henry Ruggs would at least have a couple catches. Um, you know, if you thought he was going to have a big game, I get it. I thought he would have a decent game too. And he was just non-existent in this one. Really disappointing. And uh, I guess it wasn't too disappointing since they ended up winning. So you can go home with the, the W after your bad performance and say, hey, at least we won. But, man, you can't be really happy with the, you know, not even getting a catch in this game. My number one ghost of the week is DJ Moore at Kansas City. Was targeted three times, had two catches for 18 yards. Now, DJ Moore to me is maddening. Like, he's gonna, he shows up as being a top wide receiver, but, you know, He's had those that run of where he had a couple touchdowns and was really being targeted. And his stats with Robbie Anderson are kind of the same. I think the big difference is D.G. Moore has these performances where it's like, you know, 18 yards. That's He had another one where he's goose-egged. And then, obviously, you know, you're worried to take him out because then he has those ones where he has two touchdowns. So you just don't want the – you don't mind the highs being that high. You just don't want the lows being this low. And this was definitely a low being a low for DJ Moore. And uh, he probably potentially lost you your football game if you have him, you know, had him in your lineup this week for fantasy football. So uh, DJ Moore, we expect more from you. And you need to live up to your last name a little bit better. <laughs> the 
this is our tight end ghost of the week. And this is kind of our celebrity edition because we have so many big names on this list. Usually you'll have a couple of uh, middling tight ends that just didn't perform to expectations, but we got we got some good guys on this one. This some star appearances. Our, our number three ghost of the week, Mark Andrews, at the uh, Indianapolis Colts, targeted five times, had three catches for only 22 yards, and Mark Andrews is not having the season that we expected. Now he, he's not totally horrible, but what he did last year. And that rapport he had with Lamar Jackson last year, it's, uh, you know, he's still being targeted, but it's it's basically defenses are saying to Lamar Jackson, like, hey, we'll defend Mark Andrews, and you need to hit these outside receivers. And he, Lamar Jackson can't, you know. If he's not going over the middle of the field to the, the running backs or the uh, slot receiver or the tight end, he can't hit those outside guys. And that's why I think you're seeing Hollywood Brown become so frustrated because he's not getting the ball, and Lamar Jackson can't get it there. And uh, so you're starting to see more and more bad games from Andrews because more teams, are, I think, are figuring that out. Number two, Robert Tanyan against the 49ers. He's only targeted once, one time. He caught it for five yards, but... Uh, this, uh, this matchup against the 49ers, though it wasn't a good one, uh, with the day that Aaron Rodgers had and Devontae Adams had, like he thought there might have been room for Robert Tanyan to do something, just a little bit. And no, th- there wasn't. He, Like I said, he was looked at once, and uh, hopefully there's better days ahead for Robert Tanyan than this one because this was a complete dud for him. And then our number one ghost of the week at tight end was Rob Gronkowski. Surprise, surprise, another Buccaneer. But uh, this, I think, makes it three in a row, or three out of the four number one ghosts of the week have been Buccaneers. That's how bad of an offensive performance they had against the the Saints this week. Gronkowski was targeted six times, six. But he only caught, he, he caught it once for two yards. That was it. So as many times as he's targeted, you'd, you'd, you know, even 50% is three, right? Maybe he gets lucky and gets a touchdown. No, he didn't do anything. So uh, if you had Rob Gronkowski, you were, you were really disappointed. And, yeah, the, the Saints just ate the Buccaneers alive. Rob Gronkowski was, yeah, he was it, it was meaningless, his, his efforts. Uh, but... Tom Brady tried. He tried to get him uh, the ball. Just couldn't do it. Yay! This is the Week 9 recap. This is where we go over all the predictions we made for Week 9. Well, not all of them, but ones we want to focus on. And I was 8-6 and six against the spread, which brings me to 66-66-1. couple good weeks in a row. And I'm trying to shoot for my pace that I had last year, where I was at about 65%. I have half the season left. I'm going to get there. That's my commitment to myself, because that's where I want to be. In regards to choosing the games, some of my big misses, obviously Pittsburgh Steelers. I thought they'd beat the Cowboys by two touchdowns. Didn't happen at all. I had the Cardinals winning by, you know, gave up five points against the Dolphins. 
that didn't happen. Dolphins won. And then I picked Seattle to beat Buffalo outright, and uh, Seattle was favored by two and a half. That did not happen. Buffalo dominated that game. But uh, Ravens, they were two and a half point favorites. Picked that game right. The Carolina Panthers, I took the ten and a half points. They ended up losing by only uh, you know two points. And then I picked the Chicago Bears. No, I picked sorry, I picked the Tennessee Titans and gave up five and a half points. With that Bears offense, I wasn't confident in that, and that was a hit. The New York Giants, they always beat the Washington football team. In fact, that's the only team they can beat. So I picked them, and I won on that one. The biggest one I think I missed that disappointed me was the Houston Texans. I picked them, giving up seven points. Jake Luton was a quarterback for the Jaguars. We all know how that went. Jake Luton actually looked pretty good. And... uh Texans defense looked like the Texans defense. It, it didn't matter who was playing quarterback, I guess. Uh, so bad call on that in, on that one for sure. But uh, start sit wise, it was you know I I did a really good job uh, and uh, going over it really quick. You know I had obviously Mahomes said it was a bad matchup, but he you needed to start him. He was one of the top plays. Christian McCaffrey, of course. Uh, I had Tyreek Hill. Curtis Samuel, I had him as the start for the the Panthers. And I said to sit Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And, man, I was right about that. That was a really good call. The Houston Texans-Jaguars game, I said to start Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller and DJ Chark. Uh, they all worked out really well. I said to bench Keelan Cole, Lavishka Chenault. They didn't have really good games. And then the Ravens-Colts, you know, I, I, I was sitting everybody. I, I sat J.K. Dobbins, uh, sat Philip Rivers, Lamar Jackson even, Jonathan Taylor, and he scored a touchdown but overall didn't have a really good game at all. And, uh, yeah, I really uh, did a good job this week. D.J. Dallas, I said to start him, he scored a touchdown. John Brown. He, you know, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, both of them had a lot of yards and receptions. Said to sit Devin Singletary. He had an atrocious game. Uh, Said to start Drew Locke and Matt Ryan. They both had really good games. Uh, Tim Patrick scored a touchdown. Jerry Judy, I said to start, had a really good game. Julio Jones scored a touchdown. And said to sit Malvin Gordon. Hayden Hurst, Philip Lindsay, they all had bad games. So all the way around, I mean, I can I can go game to game, but uh, really good week on calling who the starts and sits were. So I'm, I'm happy with the week and how it uh, transpired in, in regards to uh, the, the, the fantasy football predictions. Football-wise, just crazy games. I'm... It was really entertaining in the aspect that teams that weren't very good were competing with the teams that were pretty good, and all, all the games were pretty close. And, and the games you thought were going to be close, like the Saints and Buccaneers and the Seahawks and Bills, those were the ones that were blowouts. So uh, go figure, but it was a really fun week. It's Burke and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get it started. 
All right, this is the part of the show that everyone's been waiting for. This is where we tell you who to go pick up off the waiver wire or wait till after the waiver wire and just try to pick them up for free. That's always uh, it's always more fun when you can do it that way. But uh, I'll be honest, the last couple of weeks have been gold in regards to who you can pick up. A lot of guys coming off of IR that was kind of sneaky or just guys in general that people weren't really talking about that were kind of sneaky plays that you're able to get this week not so much there's really uh there's really just a lot of mediocrity off the waiver wire so you're probably not wasting a high waiver priority on any of these guys um but if you're trying to solidify your team or you're worried about a player that uh, you have on your roster that might be injured and you're trying to maybe get a handcuff this might be a good week for that. But uh, again, I'm, I'm not running to the waiver wire, wasting waiver priority for a lot of these guys. My number three pickup at quarterback is Jake Luton for the Jaguars. Unbelieving the hype. I saw what he did against Houston. Until Gardner Minshew gets back, I have faith in Luton to be able to drive this Jaguars offense. He looked great, he's tall. And he can throw the ball. <laughs> I always knew he was tall, but I didn't think he can throw the ball. And he can. So uh, I think he's worth the pickup, especially if the Jaguars' offense looks even remotely like they did against Houston. My number two is Alex Smith. Obviously, with the news of Kyle Allen, you know, dislocating his ankle, going to be out for the year. Alex Smith is going to take over the, the reins of the Washington offense. And it's one of those ones that I don't know you really want to take the reins over on. It's not a great offense. Alex Smith doesn't have a great arm. He's, you know, he, he's definitely a timing passer and, you know, can make those short throws and kind of pick you apart down the field. Not, uh, has never really been fantasy gold in that aspect. But uh, I don't think the Washington offense can be any worse than it's been. So... I don't know. I, th- I think he can be worth a, a pickup, and he's mostly a pickup for like, dynasty or keeper. Not dynasty, sorry, keeper leagues. Uh, if you have a keeper league or, or two quarterback leagues, if you have two quarterback league, especially with the buys and the injuries, uh, Alex Smith might be a viable option to start. My number one is Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's coming back from his COVID. You know, he came back from the concussion, got COVID right away. Now that he's recovering from COVID and should be available, I still think he's the top pickup. I mean, you look at that offense and the talent that's there, I don't expect him to look like he did uh, the first time he started for the Cowboys. I, you know, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalton Schultz, there's, there's enough talent there to be pretty efficient. So I think he's worth a, a pickup and you can actually, depending on who your quarterbacks are, he might be a matchup-based play here and there, uh, you know, sometime this season. Running back, man, uh, I got the Ryan Hell Naw uh, from the Bears. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, David Montgomery got a concussion. Uh, he might be back, he might not. Ryan Nall was the guy that, uh, the Oregon State running back, 
he's the one that uh, kind of took over from Montgomery and, and got a lot of the carries. And he didn't look bad. I think he looked better than Montgomery, to be honest. But he would be the guy to get. So if, if you have Montgomery and you're worried about his uh, concussion, Ryan Nall would be the, the pickup for the Bears. My number two is Kalen Balage for the Chargers with Justin Jackson's knee. We don't know, you know, how that's going to look for Week 10. Justin Jackson could be questionable. And they use Kalen Balage a lot more than Joshua Kelly. That was a big surprise because when Justin Jackson went down, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be the Joshua Kelly show. Joshua Kelly's going to dominate. And he didn't. It was Kalen Balage that got most of the carries. Um, he had a significant day. He scored a touchdown. He looked good. And, you know, his stints in Miami and the Jets, Balage didn't look good at all. Uh, so this looked like a completely different running back than what I remember watching. But he's worth the pickup, especially if Justin Jackson's not ready for Week 10. Uh, Kalen Balazs can be a sneaky play. My number one, and I like him. This number one I like. I would pick him up regardless because I just think he's a better running back now at this stage of their careers. Duke Johnson for the Texans. David Johnson got a concussion as well in the game against Jacksonville. And Duke Johnson relieved him after that uh, that concussion. And I, I just like Duke Johnson in general better. If Duke, David Johnson doesn't play, you're definitely going to want to uh, pick up Duke Johnson with some of these matchups coming up. But outside of that, David Johnson's he reminds me of David Montgomery a little bit this year. He's just been kind of meddling. You know, if he gets a touchdown, it's been helping your – you know, your your fantasy number, so he's been relevant. But I think Duke Johnson can come in and just do a whole lot better and, and kind of bring that running game to another level. And and that's not to say that Duke Johnson's some stud that's, uh, you know, diamond in the rough, but he's definitely, I think, a better play at this point than David Johnson. Wide receiver, my number three is Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola with uh, Kenny Galladay being hurt and out. Amendola got a lot of targets, especially in that slot position. Uh, Stafford looked at him all day. So uh, if someone getting as many targets as Danny Amendola is getting now with Galladay gone, I think is worth a pickup. He can be a good play, especially with you know, especially a matchup-based play. Uh, I, I think he, he could be a good pickup for your team if you're, if you're hurt net receiver. My number two is Darnell Mooney for the Bears. His target volume is going up and up every week. He's looking stronger and stronger. You know, he was a rookie, but uh, this far into the season, he's looking less like a rookie. Allen Robinson needs someone else on the other side to take some of the pressure off of him. I like Darnell Mooney. I think he's the guy that uh, could be a decent play if you're dealing with injuries or bye week. Uh, definitely, uh, I think he's a top three pickup this week my number one and if you watch the game tonight it reinforced it for sure Jacoby Myers for the Patriots Cam Newton looked his way I mean it seemed like 90% of the passes were thrown to Jacoby Myers but he looked good and he looked like a playmaker for the Patriots uh you know possession receiver that was catching everything I'm I, I like Jacoby Myers. I think in all formats you can pick him up. It doesn't matter. He's probably going to get you, at least uh, with how many targets he gets per game, 
he's going to uh, he's probably better than probably your fourth and fifth receiver you you already have on your roster. So he's uh, he's definitely worth a pickup. And with Edelman being out, uh, he's looking better than Edelman did even early on in the season. So Jacoby Myers, go get him. Tight end, it's a little bit different. There's slim pickings at tight end, so I have to pick three. So scourging or scourging through uh, the burnt earth that is the tight end position, I picked three names. And the three names, well, number three is Jordan Aikens for the Texans. You know, they're still using Darren Fells, but Jordan Aikens is more of the starting tight end when he's healthy. Well, he's healthy, so that's going to take away from Fells. And it's, you know, he's just as uh, reliable at getting touchdowns as Fells is. So um, during good matchups, I think Aikens is a good play at tight end. And if you're hurting at tight end, which a lot of people are, he might not be a bad pickup. Anthony Ferkser for the Titans is my number two. Janu Smith has been relegated to blocking tight end. You know, even he had a touchdown last week, but he only had uh, two or three catches, which is disappointing. A lot of those targets are going to Anthony Frickser. So uh, he could be the guy that over or surpasses Janu Smith's production. And I think he's worth a grab because the Titans use the, the tight end so much in their offense that uh, if that's the case, you're going to get a pretty decent tight end for a really good price. And then my number one is Jordan Reed for the 49ers. Kittle's out for like eight weeks, and it was Rust Welly, but now Jordan Reed is back. He was activated from the IR. You know his big play potential. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be a top tight end for the 49ers, and Jordan Reed is the tight end I would be picking up. And it doesn't matter what my tight ends look like. I think Jordan Reed could potentially be a better tight end than what you have available. So even if you have to keep a bench spot for him just to feel you know feel it out, I recommend it. Jordan Reed's definitely worth feeling out. You, uh, he's the number one tight end pickup. Who do I start this week? What's the point spread? What are the injuries? Should I bench this guy? I don't know what to do. Man. I just hope I win. The Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban Weekly Preview Starting now. This is the Thursday night preview, and if it's any indication with the uh, last Thursday night games, it should be pretty entertaining. You know, I don't like Thursday night games, but I will admit this year they have been pretty fun and entertaining football. So, The game is the Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. Titans are favored by two and a half, and although fantasy-wise I like more of the Colts players, I'm picking Tennessee to at least win by a field goal, so... I'm taking the Titans in two and a half. Fantasy football-wise, we'll start with the Colts. I'm starting Phillip Rivers. Love Phillip Rivers in this game. Titans give up a lot of points to the quarterback. 
And Philip Rivers is going to be hitting Michael Pittman Jr., Zach Paschal, Trey Burton, Mo Alley Cox, all the above. I think are good plays this week, and you need to start them. Tight end, you know, they have a lot of good tight ends, and Cox and Burton seem to be schemed more than Jack Doyle. So I'm starting those two tight ends with confidence and expecting big games. And Pittman, I think this could be Pittman's breakout game. He's came back from the IR. He's been, you know, he's been average these last two games. I think this could be the game that he really is, you know, shows why he was uh, one of the top picks by the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. And Zach Pascal, he's reliable. He has a good rapport with Rivers, and so I think he gets a lot of targets. Jonathan Taylor, Jordan Wilkins. You know, I, I don't like Naeem Hines. I have Naeem Hines on the bench just because the Titans do a good job at defending the running back out of the backfield, trying to catch the ball, and that would be Hines. But Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins on the ground, they can be relevant. But uh, Taylor, I think, is only relevant if he scores. I think the, most of the volume is going to go to Wilkins. But uh, if I have him, if I have Wilkins or Taylor, I'm starting both of them uh, just because, you, you know, you're going to be chasing that touchdown production. And also on the bench, you know, T.Y. Hilton, he's hurt. I don't think he comes back, so... Uh, even if he does, he, you know, he, he shouldn't even be on your team. He should be cut. So if he's not cut, he's definitely a bench. And then Jack Doyle we talked about. Um, he's the third tight end. He doesn't catch as well. I just don't expect a big game from him. And he probably shouldn't be on your roster either. So Tennessee Titans, you're starting Derrick Henry. You're starting A.J. Brown. No, neither of them have good matchups but you don't bench your stars. And those two guys are the star players for the Titans. And you run them out there hoping that they you know, have a big play or, uh, and are able to get you points that way. Um, outside of that, though, for the Titans, everyone else is pretty much on the, on the sit. They're on the bench. Um, they're on the sit list. Anthony Ferkser, Johnny Smith, the... Colts defend the tight end position really well. They're actually the one of the best teams in the NFL at it. So I don't like their production there. Corey Davis, I, I think, you know, they're going to have a hard enough time get it to, getting it to A.J. Brown. Corey Davis is going to be irrelevant. And then Ryan Tannehill, I just, this is a game where I don't think Tanny, Ryan Tannehill is very productive and the Colts are going to bottle him up. So it's, it's going to be a low-scoring game in this one. And, uh, again, I think the Colts barely eke it out. Or, sorry, the uh, Tennessee Titans barely eke it out for the win. We did it. That's the end of the show today. You're listening to the Burke and Miz the Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Miz the Wiz Montalban. We appreciate you listening. We'll catch you back here in a couple days going through all the Sunday morning games and the latest breaking news. So in the meantime, cheers.